Welcome back to the OME Talks podcast. I'm your host, David Petro, and this is the third episode of season two. This podcast and subsequent webinar series focuses on bringing the voices of some of the best speakers from our most recent OME conference so they can repeat their talks online for a wider audience. This month, our webinar is titled Slow Math, Cultivating Conversation. This was a breakout session that Jennifer Wilson did after she did her featured speaker session, which was also about slow math, but focusing on reflecting, connecting, and communicating. Today, we talk with Jennifer, and she will be joined by Liz Ramirez, and they will discuss what slow math is and the focus of the virtual session on cultivating conversation. So let's get to it and hear from Jennifer and Liz. Liz and Jennifer, how are you doing tonight? Great. Good, thanks. Liz and Jennifer, I wonder if you could introduce yourselves to our audience and let us know who you are. Absolutely. So my name is Jennifer Wilson, and I work with Illustrative Mathematics, which is a nonprofit organization that writes math curriculum. My name is Liz Ramirez. I also work for Illustrative Mathematics. And in my role, I work with the curriculum and professional learning teams to develop resources that help teachers meet the diverse needs of their students. This includes two areas in particular, supports for students with disabilities and supports for students learning English. And uh, where are we talking to you from today? This is Liz. Currently, I am in Edmonton, Alberta, but I reside in New York City most of the time. And... I am in Vicksburg, Mississippi, visiting family this week, and normally I live in Black Mountain, North Carolina. Okay, and since this is the OME Talks podcast, maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you heard of the Ontario Association for Mathematics Education. I first heard about it through Twitter. Um, Some of the friends that I've followed for years have been quite involved with the program of OME, and I got to go for the first time this last May. And I know of you guys through Jennifer. You know, I, I know this is the Ontario Association for Mathematics, but it's, it's always great to have connections to teachers and educators from not only uh, other parts of North America, but around the world. I think one of the great things about the Twitter community is that, uh, that widening of our uh, reach as teachers. Absolutely. I have been introduced to so many people and ideas through Twitter. I'm I'm grateful for all the opportunities to learn with and from each other. Okay. So last year at OME 2019, Jennifer, you were uh, one of our featured speakers and you did a session for us on uh, slow math, reflecting, connecting, and communicating. Um, And then we're talking a little bit today about the session that you're going to be doing as our virtual session on slow math, on cultivating conversation. I guess before we really talk about that, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about what you mean by slow math. Absolutely. I first heard of the slow movement through the idea of slow food. And so slow food, you you, probably seen plenty of farm to table restaurants and markets around the, the idea behind slow food is that we pay attention to not only the conversation that is at the table when we eat, but also to from where our food comes and how it is prepared. 
And so my family and I lived on a farm when we lived in Jackson, Mississippi. And for us, slow food meant growing and putting up as much of our own food as we could and spending long evenings around the dinner table with good friends and family and conversation and good things to eat that had come from the garden. And so I began to think about through the slow movement, what might slow math look like in a classroom or just what would the slow movement in general look like in the classroom? Obviously we can't have a slow food meal every single time we eat. And so maybe it's true too, that we can't have a slow math experience every single time we have math class. But, but what happens when we take time in our math classes to slow down, to pay attention to the questions that students are asking the, the what if questions, the what happens when questions. And instead of just spouting off what happens when or saying, oh, we don't need to know that. What if we take time to let students explore and and begin to answer some of those questions? What if we take time to pay attention to the conversation that is in the room that students are happen, are, are having and and actually cultivate that conversation so that what they're sharing with each other grows and they become confident in sharing their mathematical ideas with each other, sharing what they see and what they wonder. And what if we cultivate listening as as part of conversation, conversation, not just speaking, but also listening to our students and to each other and teaching students how to listen to each other. The way I hear it from you, I mean, this really is an expansion of, you know, making students the center of your classroom as opposed to the, the, the teacher being the one giving all the information. Absolutely. It is about students driving what is what is happening in the classroom. Not that students are driving the content that you're covering, right? We have we have content that we that we want students to explore in, in certain classes, but letting the questions that they have drive the experience in the classroom instead of, instead of just telling, letting it happen through, through questions and through conversation. Do you run into any problems with the phrase slow math? Do people have misconceptions about what that might be? <laughs> that is funny. When I first started thinking about slow math, I looked up the hashtag slow math just to see what was there. And this was several years ago when I first started thinking about it. And there were several who thought that slow math was about a, a professor who was droning on and on during the class and just wouldn't quit talking. So theirs was more about the- Ferris Bueller's day off, you know, Bueller, Bueller. Yeah, a- exactly. exactly. Yes. Like the, cl- the class would never end. Um, so yes, there's definitely um, some of that, or it, it, there were also people who were using slow math to say, just to share how, how that they weren't confident in what they were doing. They, you know, were feeling like they weren't good enough to do it. They needed, they needed it to slow down. Um, I think I remember one about, you know, we've, we've gone over three chapters in three hours, slow this down. Um, so yeah, there was definitely some of that, you know, but the, the same thing happens with, if you look at the slow food hashtag as well, right? Like some of that is because your food isn't getting to you fast enough. 
um, instead of the, the true ideas behind this, the soy food movement. And, and I honestly think that, that it's a really good thing to point out to teachers uh, and to all educators, and not just in mathematics, but I mean, not all students learn at the same pace. And even some of our best thinkers were not the quickest at doing calculations, at retaining the material in their, in their math classes. I, I, there's a clip online of, uh, I saw an interview with Roger Penrose talking about how, you know, he almost failed out of grade three because he just wasn't quick enough at doing math. And I think this purposeful idea of, of looking at math and slowing down the pace right. uh, is a way to sort of have students of all abilities really engage. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that happens when you come up with interesting tasks to pose to students where there are going to be different strategies that students use. There is something to talk about, right? Instead of just posing a problem where there's really, you know, limited um, ways that you can think of it. Yeah, I think that's that's good stuff. I was thinking about a friend who had a something that I've heard her say many times when she was talking with teachers and students is that learning is the constant, but time is the variable. We just we don't all do this at the same rate. Hmm. And that there's not anything wrong with that. And and sometimes students are are penalized uh, because they're not learning at the rate at which the class is going. But they are still learning. Right. So Jennifer, last year at OME, your slow math session, which I should tell our members is available for viewing in the members only section, uh, that was on reflecting, connecting and communicating. And this time around for our virtual session, uh, you and Liz will be focusing on cultivating conversation. Maybe you can bridge those two ideas for us. Absolutely. So this really, the, the idea of cultivating conversation, the need for cultivating conversation came from a, a student that I was working with one-on-one a couple of years ago. And so her teacher sent a message to her mother and to me as her tutor and said, Kate has great mathematical ideas but she doesn't talk during class. And when I heard that, when I read that, I just thought, well, whose job is it to get Kate to talk during class? You know, Kate is 12 years old. Is she supposed to just volunteer those mathematical ideas to her whole class? Um, how, how is that supposed to work? And at the same time, I was working with illustrative mathematics and we use something called mathematical language routines to inform mathematical language development, particularly for language learners, but, but also for all students, because mathematics is a language that none of us speaks as our first language. And, um, so this session is looking at some of those mathematical language routines and thinking about how we can support mathematical language development in our students instead of just expecting that they already know how to do that when they come to our class. 
Now, could some of the issues in terms of cultivating conversation with students arise from just the student's lack of confidence in their own mathematical ability? I think absolutely. Um, and I would love for Liz, Liz to speak to this a little bit because I think that the the math language routines that have been developed help grow that confidence. Liz, maybe in particular, would, would you share just a little bit about Stronger and Clear Each Time and the language that's used around that so that the students aren't feeling like they're supposed to have their polished response as their first response? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we know that math understanding and language develop happen simultaneously. We introduce concepts to students and they need the language to describe what it is that they're understanding or seeing or thinking or wondering about. Um, And then before they talk about it, they really need sort of a, a way to engage with each other. So, you know, often if we say to students, you know, turn to your partner and discuss, what comes out of them is, okay, well, I got five. You get five? Okay, great. Conversation is over. And that's not really a back and forth exchange of ideas. But um, just like any other skill, students need to learn how to engage in conversation, how to listen to each other, what might be interesting to share, how to give each other feedback. Um, and so we have these math language routines that were developed by the folks at Stanford in the Understanding Language Department. And what they do is they give sort of a structure or a routine that tells students sort of how they're going to engage with language, either um, through speaking, conversations, um, things that they write down. Um, and the one that Jennifer mentioned, Stronger and Clear Each Time, is one of our favorite routines. And what it does is it gives students an opportunity to sort of get a first draft of writing or thinking down on paper, and they meet with partners to share their ideas, share their writing, and then they give each other targeted feedback, both on sort of the clarity and the content of what they've written, as well as any language that they're using. And we like to give students sort of sentence frames or prompts like, can you say that again using, you know, this vocabulary from the lesson? Or, you know, I didn't really understand this part of what you said. Can you give an example? Uh, students meet with different partners, and then they have opportunities to revise their drafts at each at each part. And at the end, what we have is a nice sort of revised draft based on feedback from their peers, not just from the teacher. So I love this idea of the draft piece of work for students in mathematics. And I kind of relate it to when we have our students write essays or written pieces of work, we don't expect them to write their best version right out of the gate. We have them write, revise, you know, let other people look at them, put it away for a bit, come back to it, and polish what they've done. And I really think we need to give our students that opportunity to do the same thing with their the, their math mathematical thinking. And so this is, this is a really, I really like the way that you, you phrase that. Definitely. And sometimes students, their first draft might be a calculation that they're explaining orally. And that sort of gives them that opportunity or, you know, calculation or a diagram with some arrows and some notes that they sort of get this rehearsed opportunity or this opportunity to rehearse what they're thinking. And that before they get it out on paper, because I think you know, I think we can all relate to this idea when you sit down to write an essay or you sit down to write something formal, 
that first sentence is like so impossible to get out. But if they know going into it that, you know, first I just need to an idea and I can improve on it, the idea, you know, they're going to be able to come up with more to share with their partner. And, and I think it's coming up with more routines in your classroom to help, um, for lack of a better phrase, the title of your your uh, your talk, cultivating conversation. We need we need we need to have those prompts. So so, can you tell me? Uh, can you give me some other ideas that we might without? We don't want to give away the whole uh, virtual session that you're going to be putting on. But can you give us some other ideas that we're going to see show up in that session? Sure. One of the other routines that we're going to look at is called an information gap, and it is another routine that cultivates conversation. It creates a need for students to communicate each other with each other. They work in pairs and one student has a problem card and the other student has a data card. So in this routine, the person with the problem card has the question that's being asked, but they don't have all of the pieces of information that they need to be able to answer the question. The student who has the data card has some information, but they don't know what to do with that information. They don't know what the question is that is being asked. And so in this routine, students enter into a back and forth conversation to get information from each other and then ultimately use that information to both successfully solve the problem. So without giving too much away of our session, I'm wondering if I could put you on the spot here and if you had to give an elevator pitch about the importance of cultivating conversation in your classroom. What would be some of the main points that you would you would put in that pitch? We have lots of research that tells us that learning is social, and this is provides students with another layer or another opportunity to uh, acquire knowledge, acquire understanding, and to to learn with their peers rather than just sort of being on the receiving end of a bunch of information in sort of one direction. The idea that that learning is social is not a mathematical construct. That is a education construct, and I think you know that's something that we we are we're doing making some great strides. I think in mathematics, in terms of helping kids or helping develop situations where kids are more social about what they're doing in math class, and so I think the more tools that we can have to help those conversations to help making math class more social, I think the benefits for students, not only in becoming better little mathematicians, but also better at understanding that everyone can do math. Exactly. I don't know if you've done any podcasts in the past or this idea of instructional routines, but any kind of routine that sort of provides structure for teachers so they're not really worried about they're not spending their time thinking about how am I going to structure the conversation or students aren't wondering, okay, what's happening? How am I going to, you know, who am I talking to? What do we talk about? These routines sort of put those structures in place so students can really focus on their learning or the content of those conversations. They know the rules of engagement. They know, you know, how they're going to, how the conversation works, how the back and forth works, and they can really sort of get the most out of uh, the learning experience. So that gives us a little bit of a taste of what we will hear on this month's OME Talks webinar. I'd like to thank uh, Jennifer and Liz for giving us that little sample. And OME members can tune into that webinar. That will be on the second Wednesday of December here. Um, Liz and Jennifer, thanks for talking with us briefly about what you're going to be talking about in more length at the webinar. 
Thank yes, you. Thank you. We look forward to it. And we will we will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. That was Jennifer Wilson and Liz Ramirez talking about slow math and some brief points on how to cultivate conversation. That will be the focus of their upcoming webinar where they will expand on those ideas for our OAME members. That webinar will be at 8 p.m. on Wednesday, December 11th, and you can register at our MCIS registration site. There are links in the description for the registration site, plus some links to things that we mentioned on the podcast. Next month, we'll be hosting Kanika Turner, where she will be talking about her OME session titled Beyond the Imitation, Lesson Structure and Routines that Foster Agency and Equity. So stay tuned for that, and we'll see you next month on OAME Talks.